Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Democracy-ish. <laughs> I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And I am still traumatized mm. by what mm. I saw in the debate. It was horrifying. It was like, it was kind of like you, you, you tore off the side of a house and you peered into a marriage that is abusive and you saw the evil husband beating up the wife verbally this time and the wife trying to be cool about it because the children us and chris wallace were watching and the children in chris wallace trying to sometimes appease you're gonna like the next question Sometimes trying to, you know, get on, get control of the situation. Stop interrupting mommy. Like, but it was, it was very difficult to watch emotionally because the interaction was so painful. And I, I could not imagine trying, like being Joe Biden and trying to have a serious presentation while this person is yelling, interrupting, lying, and just refusing to have a civil adult conversation. I mean, first, let me just say, Chris Wallace is a fucking embarrassment and a fool. Come on. I don't know how that mediocrity, you know, aside from his white male privilege, how he has a fucking job. Mm. Um, I was embarrassed by the way in which he was kowtowing to the president. Oh, Mr. President, please, please adhere to the rules that your camp agreed to. You're please, gonna, please, please, please. You're going to like the next question. Like, because I'm uh, because I'm certain of the fact that he already had the questions given to him ahead of fucking time. But it's so just, let's just, it's, let's it's just... inappropriate and unprofessional to be constantly trying to appease him saying, you'll like the next question. At no point did he ever tell Joe Biden, you're going to like the next question. 
No, because he's not friends with Joe Biden, nor is he trying to put Joe Biden's entire ass in his mouth the way he was with Donald Trump. Um, I, 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 you know, just from the outset, the initial 10 minutes of the debate, I wanted to throw the whole country in the trash. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, everyone it, it was amazing to me. It was the first time that I ever heard after a debate. Journalists get on analysts get on cable news and say it was a shit show. And I'm like, did they just curse? Like, is this this is where Donald Trump has like I curse all the time. I'm on an independent platform, but I'm like, this is where Donald Trump has brought mainstream media that there was no other description to provide other than this is a shit show. Dana Bash of all people, super classy, super serious reporter called it a shit show and it was like, like she's not like shock jockey or provocative at all. She's nope. like, call it straight as it is, tries to keep her language to be, you know, like controlled. And like, she's like, mm-hmm. this is the most act. But I mean, I think Jake Tapper won the oh, night. this was the best. The, was, it's a trade wreck. It's a hot mess inside of a dumpster it's- fire inside of a trade wreck. <laughs> Yep. And I would have said and wrapped up in vomit like it was it it was literally the worst thing that I have ever seen. It was I mean, to look at all of the headlines of both national papers and international papers say use phrases like national disaster, a disgrace, uh, an embarrassment to the office. If and, you know, and to listen to people say that for the first time in their lives, and I don't know why it's the first time, but you know, whatever, the first time in their lives for them to be embarrassed to be an American, right? And I'm like- Not my my first time being embarrassed being an American. It's definitely not my first time, but but I definitely am fucking embarrassed to be an American with that toddler at the helm. Like, are we, so, I mean, there's so many low moments- uh, Trump refusing again to condemn white supremacists. Trump taking the a moment where Biden was talking about his dead son Bo, who honorably Mm-mm-mm. served in Iraq, and trying to make it some dig against Hunter, his other son. Um, it, it, I mean, just so many moments that were like. This is icky and gross and not serving anyone. I mean, like, I I don't know of anyone who was able to look at that presentation from either of them and say, okay, I am more informed, even one iota, to be able to say, okay, I have a little bit better of a sense of who I should choose for president. You know, let me tell you something. The amount of restraint that Joe Biden showed at the slandering of his dead child and then his other son who is a recovering addict. Who he fully admitted and conceded he dealt with the problem head on. He had a problem. He dealt with it. He's doing much better now. I mean, like, he was not running from that fact at all. But the, I mean, the, the restraint, because I will tell you that 
I wish Donald Trump would. I wish that I had the opportunity to be on stage and you want to come for a member of my family that has passed away. You want to come at me like that. I would have walked across the stage and cold cocked him. And you know what? If Biden had done that yesterday, ain't nobody would have been upset. It was except for the people on the right. That same sense I had exactly, there were multiple times within the first 10 minutes, within the Bo Hunter moments, other places where I was like, the tenor of the interaction, the way that Trump is attacking Joe and repeatedly attacking him and trolling him, in any normal human interaction, the person in Joe's position would get up and punch Trump in the face, be it in a yep. bar or in a public park or a basketball court or at Thanksgiving dinner. Like, <laughs> you, you have been on my back all night, Uncle Joe, Dad, whatever. I'm sick of it. And, like, punch you in the face. Yep. And, like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I, 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 it was like it, it would just have been natural to see it break out into a fight. And... You know, just the just the total lack of decency. Let's not forget, mm. Trump mm. just lost his brother like weeks ago. So he should be familiar with familial mourning. And when Joe goes to talking about losing his son, you would think some twinge if trump was human some twinge right, if he were human would mm-hmm. come up and say let this pass because this mo-, you know any any politician outside of trump would say something of like you know we're so sorry you lost your son any any politician would have never walked that line tory they would have they would have never even been in the situation to even bring up right his son inside of the his sons inside of the debate living or have passed. No one with couth would have ever done that. But they but I mean, it just shows you how much the office of the presidency has been degraded yeah. over the last four years, like how much of the gutter Trump has allowed us to go in and to listen to listen to Republicans after the fact come on television and try and continue to defend this, defend the indefensible, right? I think one of them said that, oh, you know, uh, it was Chris Wallace that that tricked him up when he was asking him the question about white supremacy. You know, Trump did denounce it. And I'm like, was it, did he mime it? And I blinked? No, when they, I saw Hogan Gidley, who, you know, I know, from my time at MSNBC, if I ever see him in the flesh, it's not going to be like, hey, how you doing? It's like you defended a monster. You aided and abetted a monster and tried to defend his racism. Fuck you to your face. Um, Try to make the argument that when Trump said, sure, that was him denouncing the Proud Boys rather than whatever that stand up and stand by and stand you back know, and stand you with know me. exactly but, what that was you know, the the notion of putting trump on television and allowing him to say whatever he wants without an active chiron that is saying this is a lie this is a lie this is a lie that does a complete disservice to the american people 
Having somebody come 60 or 90 minutes later and say, okay, so now we're going to fact check him. That, that, that's not enough. And for somebody who is lying constantly uh, to the American people, I mean, just even, you know, he said like, you know, the Portland sheriff supports him. And I assumed that was untrue. (laughs) The Portland sheriff came out and was like, oh, hell no. I don't support him. You know, I have never and never will like that. You want to talk about a definitive response. That's what Donald Trump should have said about white supremacy. I have never supported it and I had never will. That's what the sheriff said about Donald Trump as Donald Trump is lying about this man on live television. I mean, the gaslighting from the right, which now wants us to believe that when Trump said there's very fine people on both sides, that he didn't actually say. And the next sentence is what we really should be focusing on when somehow in that sentence, he somehow attacked and denigrated uh, the right-wing racist monsters. No, he did not. And, and it's disgusting the way that the right has stood up for him when he's quite obviously supporting these people because they support him. He sent them a clear message. And when when the times that you've talked about and we've talked about how Trump and Trumpism is a clear and present danger to our humanity and Mm -hmm. not just some abstract notion of our humanity, but it causes vulnerability and danger to our specific bodies, mine, yours, other black bodies people, other brown people, other gay people. This is a message to hate groups that you are okay. And those people want to be violent toward people like us. And he is sending the message of like, you are supported at the highest level. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. 
Kimko is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now, until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. When he said, stand down and stand by. Stand back. My jo- and stand back and, and stand by. Literally, my jaw dropped. Yeah. Because never in my life, because I wasn't alive when George Wallace was around, right? On the steps with shotguns you know, standing in the way of progress and desegregation. So I wasn't around for that. All I have are tapes and history books like everybody else. To watch a sitting president of the United States deliver a clear and direct message as the commander in chief of white supremacy to his flock, unchecked to your point, was one of the most disturbing things that I have seen. And to not see then that that evening and then the next day that all of the headlines clearly state that the president is a white supremacist and he is calling for violence, again, is journalistic, like, malpractice. Yeah. What the fuck are they doing? Yeah. Like, that that is a call. That is calling for violence. We've been wondering, who were those green shirt clad men that were standing in front of the White House in Lafayette Park, right? Who had no defining uh, uh, insignia. So we knew who they were or where they were from. We know now that Trump has created and is creating his own militia. And so what are we going to do about that? I'm wondering, I'm trying to figure out, is stand back and stand by, like, is that, proud boy language like is he quoting something that they say i i I don't even know what that means but it seemed like he was you know like quoting the 13 words or giving us a a a quiet the three finger salute or something i mean it it is that moment was 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 facepalm you know, the moments when we're talking about Bo and Hunter even were facepalm. You know, when when Chris Wallace segued into the questions about race, Trump immediately went to talking about violence, police, mm-hmm. and law and order. So that's what that means to him. There's no conversation about, you know, uh, wealth gap, about criminal justice reform, about the relations between us and how the races see the world differently. It's about violence and law and order. And, you know, he is very much like boss hog. Like you want to talk about the blacks, 
They are criminals. They are rioters. They are animals. We need to beat them into submission. And yet, before the debate, my man Steve Kornacki put up a very interesting graphic talking about the difference between 2016 and 2020. And in 2016, Trump won white people by a double-digit number, something, something like 19 or 18. And now he is leading white people by like a single-digit number, like nine, right? So a significant loss among white people. But Trump is doing slightly better with black people than he did in 2016. Significantly less uh, statistically significant than, than the white people differential. But still, I'm like, there's some sliver of black men, because it's overwhelmingly black men, who have shifted over to him while a significant number of white people are shifting away from him. What the fuck is going I mean, on are, with the, my brothers? Are- you should ask them. I would these love to know. Are, they, they, these are the Vernons and the Scots of the world. These are the ones that, they, these are the Daniel Camerons. These are the ones that have such internalized hatred of themselves and think that their proximity to whiteness somehow makes them better, right? That the closer that they can get, they believe the stories of black people being animals and black people being violent, which is funny because I keep asking people to provide me with examples of when black people raged into white communities and burned it to the ground and murdered people over and over again, raped and pillaged, right? That created such blockades to, to access to opportunity and all of these things. I keep hearing about how violent black people are, but all I come up with are examples of white rage and violence and hate, right? That have permeated throughout our entire history. And so I I just, you know, I thought it was, first of all, just out of touch and ridiculous to have these three white men having a conversation about race and violence and race and violence being in the same fucking sentence. Yeah. Like that already yeah. as, 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 as if it was just like a known genre, we're going to talk about climate change, the Supreme court and race Recent and violence. Vi- when, when the questions were announced and Chris Wallace told that was one of the subjects I was like, wow, like that is ridiculous. It is offensive. It is obnoxious. And it puts the whole conversation on the wrong foot. There's no need to be. So then so then we also get Joe Biden uh, denouncing violence as if violence that happens out of a peaceful protest is equally bad to the violence because nobody Nobody on that stage condemned police brutality. Nobody no. said we have a policing violence problem in America, right? Nobody said what happened to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many others is wrong and should never have happened. Nobody said that. They both said there should not be violence in the pro. And if you're more concerned with violence that comes out of the protesting against policing violence, then you are part of the problem. And and the thing is, is that they're all, you know, it, it just the framing in and of itself, the DNC, the Democratic Party should have been like, so we're not going to do that. 
right? Like, so that's out. You can have a conversation that is about the rise of racism in America. You can have a conversation about the fact that the FBI has said that there is a a rise in white supremacist groups. And what are we doing about that? Right. About these very real things. So the fact that it was able to just go forward to to me is that is the problem. Right. Like the framing in and of itself was accepted on both sides I mean, as something that was worth conversation. You know, we see, you know, a lot of folks have said out of the debate that there should be a mute button. Right. Or some sort of mute uh, right. muting uh, element in the next debate so that the moderator can get some sort of control. And, um, you know, that's impossible because what some people don't understand is that the rules of the debate, the moderators, the questions, the tiny nuances of, you know, where they'll stand and the risers they'll have and all the things are negotiated by the commission and the two sides. So both sides have to agree. And you see clearly like, the power that Trump had coming into the situation, I imagine he was probably like, I just won't debate if I don't get what I want, and says, we're going to have somebody from Fox News, which is not a real news network, okay? But somebody from Fox News is going to moderate the first debate. And Biden clearly is the challenger, who perhaps at the time felt like he needed the debates rather than have Trump walk away was like, well, we have to agree to at least that, right? We won't agree to a Sean Hannity or Laura Ingram or Tucker Carlson. So Chris Wallace becomes the, the middle ground once you get to the, but the team Trump would never agree to a mute button or something that would allow him to be silent. So you would never have that, but the larger question well, it, for me is that this debate did absolutely nothing for the American people. It embarrassed us. It traumatized us. We got no information that was valuable at all. Should there even be more debates? Should we not just move away from this way of interacting with each other, just at least this cycle, because there's, I can't imagine that there will be a different interaction in the next you one. Know, so the, the commission on presidential debates came out after the debate and right. said that they are going to be making changes to the format in order to ensure like disaster. But, you know, one of my things from the jump was I don't understand why the fuck we are continuing with this pageantry as if this president is normal. Like, I don't understand why we continue with these activities that are about normalizing his dysfunction. We're in the midst of so many crises of his creation that it makes absolutely no sense that we're treating him like any other president instead of the hostile fucking domestic terrorist that he is, right? I don't think that Joe Biden should have agreed to the debates, right? I think that he did well last night, but I honestly think that he should have been like, no, I'm not debating him. He's a liar. You all are not going to fact check him in real time. So I'm happy to sit down and do one-on-ones. I'm happy to do, you know, social distance town halls on every network. I'm happy to like answer questions to get to the substance of my policy platform and decisions, but like a debate with a known rabid compulsive liar and sociopath. 
How does that how does that make sense? Who is that benefiting? And last night we saw that it benefits no one. No one. It benefits no one. Like we're all we woke up this we woke up exhausted, yeah. depressed, yeah. embarrassed, yeah. frustrated mm-hmm. with 30 some odd days to go. And Trump is up there talking like he did a great job as president. He accomplished a lot of things. You know, the the cognitive dissonance of like we're in a country ravaged by a disease with a you know with a major economic problem and he's acting like hey none of this is my fault i take no responsibility and if he were president it would be worse (laughs) how do you even make that argument out of your face that it would be wor- but this is what it is and what it right. is is terrible and i knew that this would be where he would go that like well it could have been 2 million so 200,000 is pretty good i, I can't imagine how 200,000 dying in a couple of months is good um i can't imagine how he brings up h1n1 but you know it's this it's this style of argumentation that the Republican Party and the modern right have been using and moving toward since Newt Gingrich and Rush Limbaugh came to power. And there's there's no need to rely on reality, logic, fact, science, any of that. Mm-hmm. Just Mm-mm. throw the kitchen sink at people, admit nothing. Reality does not matter. You know, these nope. people who said Merrick Garland cannot be uh, confirmed within a uh, within an election year, even though we were far, far away from the election. And now, moments before the election, people have already started voting. And they're like, we got to get Amy on the court right away. You are massive hypocrites. 
the way they look at government, the way that they are constantly hypocritical, and the notion that both sides do it is absurd. The notion that Democrats would do the same thing is absurd because at the basis of the modern Democratic Party, there is a valuing of government in and of itself as a way to solve problems, as a way to move society forward. And at the basis of the modern GOP and the modern right is an attack on government and systems and elites in and of themselves. So yes, the right wants to destroy government and destroy the system, and the left would not do these things given the same situation. That's what I don't understand is that I don't understand how we fight people who don't care about rules. It's like entering into war and the other side is using guerrilla war tactics and not following any of like the treatise of war, right? Like if they, they cannot be shamed into doing the right thing, they cannot uh, be held accountable to do the right thing. And so the, the the very idea that we keep moving forward and no and don't just like stop government dead in its tracks to me is what I don't understand. But we know the problem with the the but, problem but with we the believe left in government. We don't want to stop it in its tracks. But that's but that's my problem. It's not fucking functioning. It's not functioning. If we if, if America is based on a two fucking party system and one of those parties have become completely and totally maligned, the system doesn't work. Right. So you cannot keep moving forward as if everything is OK. It's like riding a bike and the fucking front tire is gone. Like, what are you doing? I mean, well, you this, know what is, I'm saying? this is why. And, 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 and it's not the war analogy isn't even really there because the Democratic Party is not at war. It's almost like terrorism in that we are civilians who are trying to move society forward. And the GOP is like, we're going to attack you. We're going to shoot you. We're going to bomb you. And we're like, we were not coming with those tactics at all. That's not at all what right. we are doing. That's what you're doing. But this is why we are talking about when we win the Senate and the White House this uh, November. We have to return in 2021 with court packing, adding two, three, four justices to the Supreme Court. We have to come back with adding states uh, like a D.C., like a Puerto Rico, so that we are fundamentally changing America because too many citizens are in too few blue states, and we are being tyrannized by the, the few who are in the red states. You know, I just don't have a lot of faith that Democrats are going to do what needs to be done if, in fact, we are able to, you know, surmount every single obstacle that is being put in our way, that we will do the right thing. And the right thing to me is absolutely going gangster on the Republican Party. It is demolishing them. It is fundamentally changing the rules, changing the face of how all of these systems work, because we see now how fucking broken it is. And, you know, I don't trust that Democrats are not going to be shamed by Republicans. How dare you do X, Y, and Z? I, I, I don't, they always, Democrats to me operate from a place where they are playing not to lose, which is not the same thing as playing to fucking win. And so I, I'm not convinced. And maybe, you know, this new renegade class will be the ones who are just like, no, bump that, we're, we're going hard, like that's what we're doing. But I just don't trust them to fix this in the aggressive way that Republicans 
work to rip apart the country. I, I don't see Democrats doing that. I, I hear you. I'm not ready to fully believe that we have turned a corner and Democrats will do the gangsterish sort of things that you're talking about, which is not really gangsterish because we're trying to just create justice because the majority right. of us who are in the blue states should not be tyrannized by the desires, the increasingly insane desires of the few who are in the red states. Um, but I wonder if this moment, the, the, the Merrick Garland to Amy Barrett moment will break something in elected Democratic D.C. that will say, you know what? We have lost something significant and we need to do something significant to get it back. Because I know as a Democratic voter, I feel like if you're not willing to stand up and go further for me, if you think this is a moment to continue going high and being nice guys, then I don't know why I'm down with the Democratic Party. And I'm like, if you're not ready for the tactics that we need now to create actual justice for Democratic voters and for the democracy that we have, then you need to step aside. Be you Dianne Feinstein Come or on. Chuck Schumer or whoever. Come on. You know, you need to step aside. And I'm, I'm sure that I am not the only Democratic voter who has a thirst for, for battle at this moment, which is ultimately, again— just an attempt to create justice. We are not That's, looking to hurt yes. the Republican Party. We are looking to create justice for the way that the country actually is. And if you're not you down see, with that, then why are you in office? But you see, Torre, just that way that you explain that, that what we are after is not even radical. It is about creating a system of equity. Right. Like and, and, and but we allow Republicans to run away with a narrative that we are the ones that are trying to distort America, that we are the ones that are doing something that is radical and, and led by Antifa and all of this shit when that is not the truth. And, I, you know, I keep going back to one of the, the famed activists, you know, in Atlanta who said, you know, these folks are lucky that we that black people are out here looking for justice and not revenge. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like and I, I want people like that to sit in because we would be just right in looking for fucking revenge. We would be just in that. And so the idea that this that what comes out of seeking of seeking equity is the rise of white supremacy is a Donald Trump presidency is on some fuckery. And America needs to, like, look at itself in the mirror right now. If if, if this debate was not you looking in the mirror and saying, wow, America is fucked like we have gone off the deep end, we have jumped the shark. Right. Like if you're not in that space, I don't know what you were watching. So. Right. I don't know what you've been experiencing over the past four years. Should there be more debates? Should. No. I mean, clearly Trump planned for, prepared for and did what he wanted to do last night. So surely he's happy with the presentation. So he's like, yes, yes. More debates. More 90 uninterrupted minutes of me saying whatever the fuck I want. Joe Biden is the one who has to say, how much more of this 
can I take and how much more of the American, how much more can the American people take? And he is certainly somebody who thinks bigger than just himself. Is this exercise good for America in general? And Mm -hmm. should Mm -hmm. Joe say, you know what? This Mm -hmm. is no good for anybody. We shouldn't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a, a part of me, again, feels like we should have never started because, again, we are normalizing fascism in America. And that that is what Donald Trump is leading. That is what this party, his party has turned into. Um, and at the same time, yeah, I, I, you know, there are several outlets that are saying right now that, no, we don't need another debate. People want to see the vice presidential debate because Mike Pence is a walking corpse. So he's not going to pop off in the same way that Trump does. He's not going to be like that interrupter and that disrespectful and all of those things. Um, he'll still lie. Right. But he'll do so with more with more decorum uh, than yeah, Donald but Trump the, the, will. The vice, but as I'm for sorry, actual vice, presidential. The vice presidential debate is is a nice piece of theater. And that's no disrespect to the two people who will be in it, especially to Kamala Harris, who I believe in immensely. But it, it, it won't change a single voter. It won't really matter if it doesn't happen It's not it it is for the super political junkies like preseason baseball is for those who really, really love baseball. It doesn't really it doesn't change anything. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. I I don't think that debates in general change anything or matter. I just think that they're pageantry. I agree that they are pageantry. I mean, I I agree that they are theater. I, I, I thought. The last time when we did the three Hillary Trump debates that, you know, well, she destroyed him in all these debates, so surely she will win. Um, and we all know what happened. I think there have been times in history when the presentation at the debates helped some voters make a decision. And mm-hmm. they moved the needles and whoever was perceived to have won the debate would go up in the polls. An interesting thing this year of the polls are resistant to news events nothing is moving the polls Mm -hmm. they are they are as steady as they have ever been historically and i understand folks who are like ignore the polls just vote and like duh obviously but like polls that are you know you you, in historic historical in other historical years you could take one poll and you could say well you know that's just right now but this has been an eight to ten, not not six to eight, an eight to ten point race consistently for six to eight to nine months. This is where we are. Joe is at 50-51. Trump is at 42-43. That's it. It has been that the entire time. And the announcement of Kamala didn't move that. The announcement of Trump paying $750 in taxes didn't move that. Nothing is moving that. And this is where the country is. And there's really no undecideds. People have. We love to we love to interview them on cable news, though. (laughs) All of those five white people. All five of the white people who are still like, gee, I really don't. I just don't know. Between the racist Klan leader and Joe Biden. Huh. Hmm. (laughs) So tough. Such a tough decision. Um, But this is the race. And the only way 
Trump can win. And somebody must have told him this for him to go off on this tangent because he doesn't even try. He did not even try last night. He doesn't try any time to present an argument about this is why I should be reelected. This is what I'll do. This is what you'll see going forward. Um, It's only about they are going to cheat. They're already cheating. There's ballots all over the place. There's ballots in the (laughs) trash. I don't even understand what that means. If there was a ballot in the trash, how does that even lead to cheating? Like, it doesn't matter. The ballot you, it, won't words be counted. don't matter. It's in the trash. Yeah, words don't matter. Like, stop trying to make sense of shit that don't make sense. Make it make like, sense. He do, he doesn't. He the the whole point. I don't even think Donald Trump, Donald Trump didn't train for this shit. They were like, just you know, so chaos. Just go out there and fuck it up. Well, he did and train. He did. he did train with the idea of. We're going to sow chaos. We're going to attack him. We're going just, I mean, he did the same thing that Trump surrogates do when they go on TV. Just talk the whole time, interrupt, filibuster, never pay attention to decorum and the rules. Just attack, doesn't, don't accept anything, never back up. Like that was his whole presentation last night. I mean, it's just, you know, it's sickening. It, the the whole of it the and and just the cowtowing that you continue to see i don't know why people keep having republicans on you know just to say nothing just to like kiss trump's well, ass just to defend the indefensible but, but partly because news media many many of whom the majority of whom are on the left in their real lives in their real understanding of the world because uh, reality has a left-leaning uh, uh, bias. Um, they feel guilty if they don't, if they're not appearing to give equal time and energy to both sides, and they don't really deal with the notion of like the right has gone off the deep end, and to give equal sides to both sides of the climate debate, the racial justice debate. That makes no sense. There is no other side to whether or not George Floyd should have been killed or whether or not we should be treated better by the police. There's no other side to climate. There are no, there's no other side to these, but they get this sense of like, if we don't include the right in the conversation, even though they are increasingly insane, then we are at fault and like let we must have them on. I know that it has become, at least at MSNBC, it has become increasingly difficult to book the right and to book uh, Trump uh, surrogates because at, the, at first there were a, a bunch of them who would come on and mm-hmm. slowly they get they got burned out one by one. They got excommunicated one by one. To where I know they're like, we are trying and we are struggling. But they there's this sense of like, we got caught flat-footed in 2016 that we discovered there were all these Trump supporters who, and we didn't know them, we didn't understand them. So we have to have them on our air and in our building or we are not reflecting a significant portion of America. Um, and not really truly understanding that that significant portion of America is fucking insane and not dealing with reality. 
it's like the the country is on fire, and we want to interview both the arsonist and the firefighter, right? Because right. Uh, because there's because there's two perspectives to the fucking fire. It's like no, right? Like you have the one that started it, and then the one that is trying to put it out. Right. Like which one do you which one do you think deserves the fucking airtime? Right. Like as the fire is raging and and we continue to do this and continue to like have these people on and and listen to them and say, wait a minute. Like, that's not true. Well, that's your opinion. No, it's not my fucking opinion. It is a fact. What you're saying is not true. One plus one is not three. Right. Like, stop. And and I I just like I, I feel, you know, what Donald Trump was successful in this debate in the fact that he made everyone feel just as fucking crazy as he is, right? Like you left yesterday feeling nuts. I am appalled for America. I am appalled for our system. There is an assault on our system that's going on by Trump. The Republicans are aiding and abetting it. I mean, like, Never again talk to me about patriotism, about loving this country, about caring about America. If you stood by as an assault on our electoral system was happening and you said nothing and you didn't say, hey, wait a minute, that's wrong. I mean, like, if you love football, if the player on your team took out a knife and stabbed the ball so nobody could play, would you be like, well, he's he's wearing my jersey. He's on our team, so all good. No, you'd be like, well, wait a minute now. We're not now we're not even playing football. So what the fuck are we talking about? I if I if I love football, I want to see them actually play football. If I love America, you have to be in favor of them actually voting, or we have nothing. We have a fucking dictatorship like freaking Russia. And you can't never again talk to me about patriotism. Never again talk to me about I love this country because when this country was on fire, when our core systems were vulnerable to attack uh, uh, from Donald Trump, you said nothing because it was your guy. Are you fucking kidding me? This isn't like, hey, I'm pro-life. He's pro-life. He's arguing my side. This is, he's like, Fuck an election. And you're like, hey, that's my guy. Like, fuck you. Yeah. And that's how, I mean, that's how I feel. That's where we are. That's how distorted this entire political landscape has become. Uh, as if there are two sides to things, as if there, as if our humanity as black people is debatable, um, a, a, as if, you know, we live in a space that says that it's a democracy, but there are, you know, at least three, four members of the Supreme Court that don't believe that everyone in America should have the right to vote and that are putting more people on the bench that don't believe in the right to vote. Um, you know, I, I it is America is sick. America is sick. And and in this election, we are either going to decide to pull the fucking plug, right? And just, you know, 240 plus years, it's been great, but like, that's a wrap. Or we're going to, you know, find some way, some method of healing. And does the, and I pray to God that that begins with electing Biden and Harris. But like right now, I'm like, you know, Pull the fucking plug. I don't. Because I don't. I don't. I don't know the patient's gonna make it. 
I don't know what healing looks like when 40% of the country rides with Trump no matter what, will surely walk away from the election saying it was unfair, will have him to listen to for the next 6 to 12 months, barking through whatever platform he can find that the election was unfair. He will probably go to his grave screaming that the election was unfair, uh, despite there being zero evidence of that. Um, We will not see the right say, okay, let's move on. Let's figure this out. Let's kumbaya. They will probably go into a more warlike state, into more revenge. I mean, these are people who, in many cases, are still fighting the Civil War, who are still fighting Roe v. Wade, long-decided battles, um, still fighting against affirmative action. Uh, You know, this is not going to be, you know, a lot of what we are dealing with in the Supreme Court goes back to, um, uh, you know, Clarence Thomas hearings, right? So this is not going to be something that they are going to forget or move on from. This is going to remain part of their ideology and their dogma and their mythology for a long time. And we're going to have this part of the country that is sulking, that is in mourning, that is angry, that may turn violent. Um, We have to deal with this Trumpism post-Trump for a long time. And you can have Biden as as an attempted conciliator. But if he reaches out his hand in love and patriotism and, and shared brotherhood and they reject it, what can you do? Burn them down. I, I you know, I, I, I don't necessarily believe that, like, you know, the, the, the healing is to bring these people back. I think that it is to get rid of them. Right. Like I, I, I'm, I think that it's to take the air out of the room. I think it's to take the air out of their sails. I think that it is not just electing Harris, uh, Biden and Harris. It is also about prosecuting Donald Trump. Like Trumpism uh, needs to be exterminated. And that begins with Donald Trump being persecuted for his crimes against humanity, his financial crimes, his crimes against this country, um, and and so much. That's how we begin the real healing. There is no reaching out of the hand and saying, let's kumbaya and get back together. No, it is. How do you put the laws back together by making this party and their leader accountable? I pray that I live to see the day when Trump is taken down the way Brad Parscale was taken down in his own Mm. driveway tackled by police half drunk and shirtless and mm-hmm. taken away i pray to see trump in the bracelets the mugshot the orange jumpsuit all of it i pray pray let us all pray thank you for a traumatized though potentially cathartic cathartic a little bit a little bit cathartic, a little, a little bit. bit. Episode of Democracy-ish. Oh, wait, let me tell you a quick little story before I let you go. We've had a long episode, but uh, just 
two days ago, I was trying to get my kids, I was trying to <laughs> force my kids to watch a TV show that uh, they didn't want to watch. And I was like, well, you know, they were like, it's two of us and one of you because mommy wasn't there. And I was like, well, you know, I'm the daddy, so I get three votes. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, each of you get one and I get three. And my son said, you know what that is? That's democracy-ish. <laughs> Which I think is amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we'll be back next week. If. Yeah. Yeah. If. If there is a country. If, folks. Oh, boy. Pray. Pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it.